This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to the Insurance Marketing Organization podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews IMO experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their IMOs, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Rob Shestak, chairman and CEO of the Voluntary Benefits Association, who is involved in various industry innovations we're going to talk about today. He's on the executive board of the WBA, was elected president in 2010, was inducted into the Workplace Benefits Hall of Fame, whole bunch of other amazing stuff. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate it. And everyone on the podcast, happy holidays. Yes. Happy holidays and happy upcoming, healthy, happy, prosperous new year. So let's go back in time a little bit. You've had an extensive career. How did you originally get started? Wow. Um, Well, I originally was, I wanted to be an astronaut and I was in aerospace engineering school. Oh, you weren't, that wasn't a joke. You're serious. Yeah, I'm serious. That's awesome. Uh, I went to, uh, I went to a high school that was, it was a space research program, high school, uh, we were supported by NASA, and I wanted to be an astronaut. I was in aerospace engineering school at Penn State, and unfortunately, in I believe it was January of '86, the space shuttle blew up. Um, Krista McAuliffe, who was the first teacher in space, was on that flight, and it kind of put a dent in my career pathing. My dad had a friend that was an actuary and said, "Hey, you like math? Talk to him." Uh, during the summer. So I went over there and spent some time with them and I loved it. And so I ended up changing from Penn State to Temple and graduated with a degree in actuarial science and risk management. So that's a big transition right there from (laughs) rocket science to numbers rocket science. And then how do you go from actuary to benefits? Well, part of the, well, back in, the funny thing is first is When I say things like it's not rocket science, I can actually say that with some credibility, right? (laughs) Yeah, because you actually were doing it. Um, I got started where back in the late 80s, I started to get involved with a lot of different legislation, things like COBRA uh, that came out in 86, Tax Reform Act of 89 or 87, uh, cafeteria plans and so forth, and just saw a lot of employers and benefit professionals not having their clients' benefit plans really in compliance, not filing 5,500s, not doing discrimination testing. So I started to get involved more on the compliance side, and then that led into uh, more of a specialty in the voluntary benefits side of things. So when you talk about specializing in the voluntary benefits thing, talk a little bit about that career path. Did you start out as a, for example, individual broker how, and obviously chairman of the WBA? Holy cow. That's a talk a little bit about that journey. 
Sure. So I uh, started out working it as an actuarial analyst that at the time it was Towers, Power and Forster Crosby. Now it's Willis, Towers, Watson, something like that. Uh, it's migrated over the years. And I really started to get more involved on the compliance side. And in 97, founded a firm called Ameriflex, and we actually developed the first FSA debit card, which is pretty much the industry standard today. So we came up with that concept and technology back in 96, 97. Uh, we got it approved by the IRS. We had IRS favorable determination letters. And then that allowed us to grow that business more into the compliance and employee benefits side. And over the years, just got more involved with voluntary benefits, found out that most voluntary benefit brokers were the ones that were selling flexible spending accounts, dependent care spending accounts, and so forth. And then that's where my path kind of took me down, uh, working with a lot of different voluntary benefit carrier reps, uh, Colonial, Unum, Aflac, Allstate, Trans, Trustmark, and so forth. And then how did the, the WBA come about? Uh, that's a great question. So not really having... There really wasn't an oversight for voluntary benefits. You had the American Academy of Actuaries that would over have oversight over the actuarial programs. You have the uh, CLU, CHFC, you had all these different oversight programs, but there was no certifications or oversight for voluntary benefits. And people just think, oh, okay, we'll put in voluntary life or disability and we're done. Well, it's not that simple. Uh, certain voluntary benefits can be pre-taxed, some cannot be pre-taxed, some have to be HSA compatible where others do not, some qualify under the Affordable Care Act, others do not. So it's not just putting in voluntary benefits, it's actually having a strategy. So we created the Voluntary Benefit Association back in the late 2000s to kind of provide direction for this specific niche. So think about it. You could just go to your doctor, but if you have heart condition, you want to go to a cardiologist, not a podiatrist. So we're saying if you really want to get involved and understand voluntary benefits, you want to work with somebody who has experience or a subject matter expert within that space. And then that's where we created the association. It's a nonprofit. We received our nonprofit status in 2014, and we just help people uh, bring people together, bring oversight, bring new ideas and creativity to the voluntary benefit space. Obviously, a much needed solution. How have you grown that association over the last seven plus years? Well, in the beginning, it was just a concept. And we were tied to the Medical Tourism Association. And about three years ago, we split off from the uh, Medical Tourism Association, the MTA. And we basically paused and said, hey, let's really get a focus. Where do we want to focus on in the voluntary benefit space? Right? Do we want to work on compliance? Do we want to work on strategic solutions, bringing different people together, a whole bunch of different things? So we really uh, refocused, uh, not rebranded, but you know, redesigned our logo to make it current and refresh it and update the websites and a whole bunch of different things. And COVID kind of helped us in a way because people weren't really looking to join associations. They were just looking to how to manage their lives 
uh, and their book of business within the COVID space. So we took that time to really rebuild the association, new board of directors, new governing body, new ideas and new concepts heading into 2021 and 2022. Uh, so we're really refocused. We have about 10,000 um, active members in the LinkedIn space that follow us. We have uh, a good advisory board and executive board with solid industry professionals uh, that are out there uh, that have a ton of experience and great credibility within the marketplace. And we're really looking, 2020 is going to be our breakout year for sure. Well, 10,000 is certainly nothing to sneeze at and a great base to start from. What, I mean, with that success behind you, what would you say your biggest challenge is going forward? Ooh, probably, you know, our industry, the voluntary benefits industry was very conference focused. We would get together at various conferences two, three times a year in person. And COVID has really put a wrinkle into that. We did have our annual board meeting back in November in New Jersey. And we had about 20 of our 25 board members come in person. Uh, So that was a really good feeling to get everybody there. Uh, Everybody left. Nobody got COVID. Everybody was cautious. We were, you know, social distancing, yet being collaborative in a room. And next year, we really would like to start having more of these face-to-face. But our concept going into 2022 is not having an annual conference and inviting five, 600 people, we actually want to bring the VBA to a city near you. So we're going to go out there and have small focus groups, maybe 50 and under attendees in areas like Los Angeles and Chicago and Dallas and, and Miami and Philadelphia, Nashville and so forth. So we want to bring the VBA to you where we're going to invite local people to get involved, to try to expand their knowledge in the voluntary benefit space, and then bring some of our strategic uh, sponsors into those areas where they're not there right now. So, you know, not if you take out the big carriers, they're in every city, small city and so forth. But there's other vendors out there that are just getting started, uh, like in the auto warranty space, that want to start growing and getting their name out there so we can bring them and other ideas to brokers in the city. And it's easier for a broker instead of getting on a plane, which they may be uncomfortable with and flying from Miami to LA for a conference, we're going to bring the conference to them in Miami. So they'll be able to show up. They'll be able to spend some time. They won't be away from their families. They won't have to worry about travel. The cost is going to be uh, less impact on them uh, as companies start to rebuild their travel expenses for 2022. We still don't know where travel is going to be. So we're just trying to hedge our bet and bring the VBA to you. And then maybe 2023 would be more of a uh, national type of gathering and conference. Who is an ideal participant in the VBA? Uh, another great question. That would be a uh, human resource professional. Um, an insurance agent, insurance broker, consultant, uh, insurance carrier reps, you know, from the big ones, you know, Colonial, Aflac, Unum, Trans, Allstate, Trustmark, and so forth, but also other companies like Identity Theft, Allstate Identity Protection, uh, Aura, LifeLock, CyberScout, which is Sontig, uh, you know, people in the legal space, uh, such as Legal Club of America and so forth, and, you know, auto warranties and, college tuition 
programs and, you know, and things like 401k and financial planning. We should have a separate conversation. We can facilitate relationships with a number of those folks because they're our clients. Yeah, that would be great. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing now? You know, I just like to help people. I like to come up with solutions. I always say, you know, there's nothing that can't be solved. It's just putting the right ideas to paper and then executing it in a strategic fashion. So I like when people call me and say, hey, have you heard about this? Or what do you think about that? Or who's doing this and who's doing that? And I just like to help people grow their their footprint within the voluntary benefit space, but also bring credibility to the industry in and of itself. You know, we don't want to say there's nothing wrong with being an insurance salesperson. You know, I always said, if you're at a Christmas party or a holiday party, Hanukkah party, you know, the most popular person in the room is probably the contractor uh, because everybody needs work done, but people try to avoid the insurance agent because they're going to try to sell them something. But we we're really not that way. We got a great group of people in our industry. We're very passionate about what we do. We have a lot of intellectual capital and we just want clients to know that when you just don't want to offer voluntary benefits, there really needs to be a strategy involved in offering voluntary benefits, just like a strategy in offering retirement plans and a strategy retiring, uh, offering the right medical plans and so forth. That makes a lot of sense. What type of benefits are you providing for those benefits folks with the WBA? Uh, that's an, uh, another good question. Uh, our membership fee is two ninety nine a year. Uh, if you want to be a pro- on a professional member, and that will get you into conferences at no cost. Uh, it will get you identity theft protection. It will get you legal coverage. You'll have uh, access to our research library. So you'll be able to go into, as a member, log into the research library, type in a keyword like pet insurance or identity theft or ERISA, and you'll be able to pull up articles from industry experts that can help guide you. And then you can reach out to them and talk to them and collaborate. So you'll have access to the research library, uh, you know, a whole bunch of benefits. The benefits, if you were to purchase- I was going to say, that seems like an incredible value for a small fee. Yeah, they would probably be over $2,000. The identity theft protection program alone with the million dollars of coverage is probably worth three to $400 alone. And we have specials during the year. So if anybody uh, on this podcast would like to reach out to me, we'll offer them uh, a Seth Green special uh, for uh, from now through the end of the year uh, into January, depending on when they want to do this. And we can offer them our membership for, instead of $2.99, we can offer it to them for $1.99. Well, that's a fantastic discount. We really appreciate it. I am not sure when this airs. So if you could extend it to the end of January, that would be fantastic. You got it. You are advising people every single day. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Oh, gosh. Listen, just listen. Um, If you actually two pieces, one was if you listen to a client, they're going to tell you what they want. and They're going to tell you how to give them what they want. and They're going to buy from you. And then once a client says, yes, stop talking, just deliver. You know, it's fascinating that you say that. I literally had that thought the other day during a presentation when I was getting pitched by a potential vendor and I said, yes, and they kept going. And I said, I already said, I interrupted and said, I said, yes, we're good. And they still kept talking and they ultimately ended up talking themselves out of the sale. And I was like, you had a sale and you blew it because you weren't listening. So that is fantastic advice. 
and a incredible journey you've been on. It should probably be in a book somewhere for the industry. So for our folks who are watching and listening, where is the best place for them to go to learn more about you and take advantage of that amazing offer? Uh, we did do a book a, a little bit ago. We have some oh, awesome. uh, remaining. Um, it was put together by about seven or eight different industry professionals. Where do we get uh, the copy of, them, of that? Two of them are, yeah, I'll send one to you. Uh, some year, oh, I meant um, where can people yeah, go to buy one? But I mean, I would love um, to read it. I think Amazon has them. Okay, awesome. Uh, Workplate, uh, worksite marketing. It's about seven or eight years old, but here's the thing. A lot of the concepts in here are still being implemented today and are still valid today. So it just goes to show you that the strategic thought that these people put into it weren't just one or two year solutions. They were industry long-term solutions. Uh, and if anybody would like to get in touch with me, uh, they can visit vbassociation.com and just contact us and, and get back to you as soon as possible. And then reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. All right. Well, this has been Seth Green with Robert Shistak of the Voluntary Benefits Association, vbassociation.com. Robert, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate it. You got to have, have a good holiday and happy new year. Everybody, thank you so much for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time.